Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Kisan Patel. Kisan, you are the founder and CEO of MA Science. You're found on the web at mascience.com. Kisan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Josh. Oh, t- please give us an overview. What is MA Science? Sure. Uh, well, we started back in 2012 with a product called Deal Room. Pretty typical founder story. Spent 10 years working in MA Advisory. Got involved with a tech startup that didn't pan out the way I wanted to, but got me experience managing engineers. I was absolutely intrigued by the way these engineers were utilizing project management tools to manage developing software. Kept thinking to myself, why not for M&A? So started the company in 2012 as a single product called Deal Room, which has evolved from managing the due diligence process of M&A to the integration. Then Pipeline became a full lifecycle management solution. Along in that journey of working with corporates, quickly realized there's a bigger underpinning problem in the industry and that the industry itself was very siloed, lacked standardization, best practices. And at the time, a friend in marketing was like, hey, man, you should do a podcast. And I was like, what the hell's a podcast? (laughs) Uh, He's like, don't worry about it. the next big thing. So we married the ideas together, (laughs) essentially using a podcast as a platform to enable practitioners in the industry to be able to share their lessons learned. We, in turn, over the past five years, built it out into a full digital media business where we extract these uh, proven techniques by identifying those patterns through these series of interviews we do. We've ended up publishing over 350 blog posts, ebooks, wow. published books, and run an online academy program to help practitioners continue to sharpen their skills when it comes to M&A. Now the business is really married between educational business lines and technology, and they really go hand in hand when we work with large corporations to optimize their M&A practice. Yeah. Um, so you, um, so if I get this straight, right. So M&A science, um, you not only you have your own, where, where you're working with your own clients as we're going through that M&A process, but you also support consultants that are, uh, how do you, how do you work with, you do, you work with individual consultants as well, right? So our, our, our core customer is typically a 1 billion plus market cap company uh-huh. that does three or more acquisitions a year. Yes. Uh, sometimes consultants will use our product like Deal Room when they're advising customers or helping them optimize their M&A approach. Mm-hmm. And then uh, th- that's probably the main use case. We also come across investment banks. So investment banks would be advising on selling a company. Again, they're using more of our technology products. Uh, and then a lot of the corporations are using a combination of the two. They're training a lot of team members in-house about best practices for M&A so that they are better positioned when they actually go through the whole process. Typically, the big difference is for the corporation, they have to take ownership of all the change management that comes after the close. And that's where things could go awry if you don't have that well-planned and a team that's prepared to execute on that plan. 
You also have uh, MA Science hosts a podcast, and it's MA Science Podcast. Um, why are you doing that content? That's uh, the idea of creating the platform so we can enable practitioners to share their lessons learned. Uh, it's it's fun. It's it's get very educational. We get to dig in, really learn as much as we can, take those transcripts, turn it into all different types of content, short form. We've even turned around and took highlights of a whole years of podcast, <laughs> published a book called MA Tactics. So it's uh, it's all about uh, extracting content from subject matter experts. And um, it, in the world of mergers and acquisitions, um, if if you think back like the past 10 years and, and where we are today, um, obviously, you know, tools and intelligence is, is significantly improved over that time. But I'm wondering if there are any other kind of broader trends. Uh, well, I can't imagine how many evolutions there's been in 10 years time. You know, just just the past 10 years have just been just such a, a whirlwind of, of activity. Uh, but any observations that that you would say, yeah, here's here's some things, especially maybe in the past handful of years that are just uh, have really changed this world, improved this world, or, um, you know, maybe it's the pace, maybe it's the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the window for a company that's, that's looking to start prepping for M&A is, is earlier. I don't know. I, um, what, what are your observations? I'll just focus on the past five years. Cause we've probably seen the most dramatic changes. The industry originally traditionally operates on a very much of a finance focus. You build a model, you put a lot of assumptions on the synergies of the companies combining together, uh, rally the the executive team to get the board to buy in and and go execute the deal. Uh, And then from there, it's pretty much of a tactical execution to get the deal done and and to integrate the companies. Uh, What we've seen is this fabled high failure rate and and, and things that uh, any major consulting company will, will press out there. Uh, the big shift we're seeing with that is this realization that it's about the people and creating a people-focused M&A approach is what ultimately drives better results. At the end of the day, M&A is about teams aligned on goals, collaborating, and working together. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then that's when about a lot of value gets missed. So if we want to go over a couple of elements associated with that. So one is usually M&A has this vision of innovation, that there's this big goal of why we're buying a company. Are we buying the technology to add a new mm-hmm. product line? Are we buying the market share? Are we getting engineers so we can if, continue to innovate? So those are the essential drivers. and what needs to happen for the first step is to really crystallize what this end state's going to look like and bring that to the very front end of the process so the executives on both sides of the transaction can socialize around it and really uh, get that understanding of what it's going to take to achieve those results. And there should be this integration leader that should be definitely part of that discussion so that person can help outline what a go-to-market is going to look like. Um, With that, it helps the executive of the other company think beyond just the check that they're going to get for selling their company, but how they're going to participate when this transaction closes to ensure the success of the company uh, after the close. 
Um, I, I think with that is um, values comes up at that same time. They each respected organization has their own approach of the way they create value for their customers, how they work internally, how they make decisions, how they problem solve. So by understanding values allows you to expand and understand the culture and leadership approach of each organization so that you can identify what are some of these differences. Maybe there should be a different approach in how we integrate the company based on these cultural differences. There may be some stark conflicting differences that may go as far as warranting why we shouldn't do this deal because you know, top-down management and a total bottom-most management team isn't going to combine together really well and may have some conflicts there. Uh, so really important to get that understanding and to get a sense of how the teams are going to come together. Uh, the other element around this is just being really iterative. And we talk mm. a lot about agile, that it's it's this, this traditional plan-driven approach doesn't work. We look at keeping a people focused. It's keeping a level of transparency. In M&A, you typically start with a few people. And as you progress, more and more information gets exchanged, more and more people get involved. So you want to be able to create that culture of responsiveness where people can act on the information as it comes in. And that allows you to respond to the risks that you identify or opportunities, update your integration plans accordingly. Um, And then keeping two things, the customer in mind throughout this, that each company has their own customer journey, mapping that out and keeping it top of mind of what that customer journey is going to look like when both organizations are combined. And then thinking of the employees for that organization to be acquired, a lot of times these processes tend to be very buy-side driven, but can you put in the effort to help that company getting acquired understand the organization they're going to be integrated to? What are their different business lines? Where are they going to fit in to this new organization? And really create that um, clarity there to assure there's better expectations when things do come to integrating. Yeah. Um, if there's someone to say there's a, someone that's listening, the founder CEO of a company, they're doing maybe somewhere between five, 10 million. And they're like, you know, sometime in the next, you know, three to five years, I, I, I'd, I'd love to hand the reins over to someone. Like I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where, you know, the company's gotten a little bit bigger. It's not as much fun anymore. You know, I'd love to, you know, maybe partner with a larger organization or just again, bring in someone that can really take what we've created. You know what I'm thinking? You know, maybe it's like a SaaS platform, someone that's created some really smart technology that could potentially be a great acquisition for, uh, you know, maybe a larger enterprise level company. Is there what sorts of things are like, how can that founder CEO identify and hire a really great M&A consultant to help them, you know, through the next few years? Yeah, I think there's a few steps that come first. One, the strategy, right? We have a strategy to buy a company, but there's a strategy to sell the company and clarifying what the goals are of that. Is it objectively to get the highest price? Are there a bunch of shareholders involved? Do, is that the main focus? Is it more about the succession, finding a good home for the organization so that the team can continue to, to grow and thrive? Uh, really getting clarity there. With that, preparation is going to be a big part of it and starting getting some of those motions in place. Uh, a lot of times you can find somebody that has experience, has gone through an MA process. Maybe they're a CFO with MA in their background that can help prep your organization from both the financial and operational aspect. 
because when buyers come in, they're going to want to check things in detail, just like selling a house. You don't want to have uh, cracks in the drywall and, and things hanging off where they shouldn't be. So really getting somebody that can help clean up that business for that presentation. I think it, it depends on the strategy when it comes to advisors. There's a whole myriad of different types of advisors you can retain. Number one, make sure you get a good lawyer, not the typical <laughs> but general business lawyer, but somebody that's actually has experience doing M&A in the space. You're in healthcare, get somebody that's done M&A deals in healthcare with a related, similar type of size. Uh, the In terms of a bank process, I think it really depends. You need to spend the time when you think about that strategy, the short versus long. If you have more of this long-term horizon, you could spend the time to really identify who these strategic acquirers are in your space. A lot of times, most operators are familiar with them. Uh, then if it's more of a short time horizon, then we definitely want to work with an investment bank, create a competitive auction process and, and do that. But then there's pros and cons to both. Just like good decisions, we want to take our time, put a lot of consideration into it. When we sort of do things quickly and impulsively. We sort of sacrifice some of, the, some of those things. When we look at transactions that really come together smoothly, they're usually organizations that have known each other for a period of time. Yeah, so you may even work identify some of these potential acquirers, and they often have a team called corporate development that's responsible for inorganic growth activity, which typically entails M and A. Getting to know them—that's her job—is to yeah. know the marketplace, who the potential opportunities are, and sometimes things start small with just a partnership, and it grows naturally into the organizations coming together. So I, if it's more of a long-term, that three to five-year horizon, I would definitely start exploring those type of strategic acquirers and build those relationships over the time period. Mm-hmm. And if you still don't sense it and saying, hey, we're still better off, uh, you can definitely get to know the bankers involved in the space. Again, making sure you get the banks that know the space, mm-hmm. has experience, similar sizes, try type of transactions, and get an understanding of where they're seeing the market. They'll typically give you a range of what the market valuation they would anticipate. And then you can make a decision from there that, hey, maybe it makes sense to work with a bank, run more of a competitive process. But keep in mind, it does turn away certain buyers that yeah. uh, you know don't want to run through a, a very aggressive process and, and skip a lot of the considerations that you do at those, at those situations. Yeah, I'd like to either dispel a myth or get your perspective on something. And that is, is that, you know, let's say that I'm a company and yes, my hope, we've created some great tech. It's, you know, we've certainly found our place in the marketplace. Yes, we'd be a prime candidate for acquisition at some point. Um, You know, obviously you've got your, you know, your, your, you know, your patents and trademarks kind of all locked down and so forth. But I'm wondering if there's ever you know, a, you know, kind of a rule of thumb of what is the comfortable level of transparency that you should be if you're entertaining conversations with larger companies? And again, this may be just coming across as a very novice question, but, you know, is there some sort of, you know, defining line of, yeah, feel free to share all of this, you know, if you're talking with companies but I probably would not share this, 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 and this with them. Um, Cause you know, you, you want to keep something hidden behind the curtain uh, so that they can't get, you know, without, you know, full acquisition. Yeah. Am I making sense with this question? No, uh, you I know, mean, again, no, absolutely. Josh, it usually starts that early in the process. You have very little information you disclose. And then as you continue, 
at some point in time, you would typically, when things get to, hey, we want to put serious consideration, we actually want to request information to come up with a value for a company to present, then you'd have an NDA executed. Uh, mm-hmm. So you definitely want to work with a legal advisor to put together an NDA. Now, those NDAs can be negotiated because you may have terms based on who the buyer is. If the buyer is in a completely unrelated space, they're a private equity firm. Yeah. We look at that very different than a direct competitor. Yes, exactly. Have a lot right. more sensitivity to it. Uh, and they're tricky. There's tricky things to navigate. There's obviously how the information is handled if things don't move forward. Uh, you, you know, but there's also this component around residual memory because once people see the information and it's in their uh, head, right. you, know, you can't just wipe that out. So there's a, a lot of components that go into NDA and that's where it's really critical to have that in place and work with an advisor that's going to make sure it's, it's it's represented well. Yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. So surround yourself with experts that have done this before. They know the path. They're going to keep kind of everybody protected uh, along that, uh, you know, either early, early stage discovery process, or again, as the the relationship matures uh, kind of the next steps. Okay. So um, Kisan, um, so with your website, um, th- there's quite a few resources here. And again, mascience.com. Um, for consultants that offer, you know, or could be offering more M&A services, how can they align with you? How can they, uh, how can they get benefit from the work that you're doing? Yeah, sometimes the products that we have, our tech products fall in place with their practice. I know we just brought in a new chief operating officer who one of his initiatives is building out a partner ecosystem in the next quarter where we have our own frameworks and things of that sort that we can help provide and license to a variety of consultants so that they can enhance their practice with these sort of crowdsourced proven techniques that we've accumulated over the past decade. Uh, so that, that's it's evolving where we're formalizing our model to incorporate partners uh, and we can in turn help them generate some some leads as well. Yeah. And then uh, certainly for, you know, companies that, you know, they know that uh, it's, it's like, it's, it's on their, they need to, they need to be doing some acquiring uh, or, or they're looking for an exit. Would, would either of those two um, scenarios be appropriate to connect with you? Yeah. We work with both sides of the transaction, buy Mm -hmm. and sell side. Uh, a lot of times our corporates tend to be more on the focus on the buy side, but um, absolutely. A lot of the investment banks represent sellers of businesses. All right. Good deal. So the website, Kisan, is uh, mascience.com. Um, I, listen, I recommend if you're listening to you know, our audio podcast right now, go find the, the, the podcast. It's mascience uh, podcast, correct? You got it. Yeah. And uh, and again, everything else you'll find directly at mascience.com. So Kisan Patel, congratulations on your great success and in serving this industry as well as you guys have. Um, and uh, congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. 
If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. And we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.